Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined as always by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening. We meant to get this podcast out a day earlier. Things happen. Um, Thank you so much for uh, downloading the podcast. We very much appreciate it. Share the podcast as we gain momentum into the Big Ten football season. We're actually watching college football right now. Uh, Louisville, Georgia Tech. Not going how I hoped it would between me and my special financial friend, but that's how the year has gone thus far for AKA Jeffrey the Greek. Well, I'm not sure how much I'm going to be betting this year. It's going to be such a crapshoot. So there was a stat that went out. Um, dogs. That's it. That's the only thing you need to know. Home dogs, dog, okay. whatever, just dogs. Dogs, period. 60, they'd once had covered 63% of the time, which in gambling terms is wow. outrageous. Yeah. Outrageous. I love dogs. I take dogs often. Mm-hmm. Somehow, miraculously, I've you've escaped all of that. I, I picked somehow picked the dogs that haven't covered the deal, but uh, not across the board. But not as much as I'd like, that's for sure. I mean, what if you know the day before the game? Let's say you place a bet, and then an hour later you hear Justin Fields is playing. Mm, yeah, the late money into the special friend slash website. That's going to be a thing this year. Yeah, are that's going to true. Want to have, you know, like good I want to know. And then if you really get down deep into the crevices of a gambling brain, you're like, well, if I change at the last minute, that's actually, you know, that that's what screws me up the most. And then you change it, and you're like, oh, I shouldn't change it just because that one player. That's the fun thing that goes on. In fact, my special buddy uh, of mine, and he he knows who he is because he listens to the podcast. We we actually talked about Costanza. Going the opposite. Yes, because we've had such icy cold weekends. I did that one year in a college football pool. Like you you had to pick five games a week against the spread. And I was just doing horribly. Mm -hmm. I was dead last. I I don't remember how many people. That's tough to pull off. I I started doing the oppo. I I went Costanza and I won the league. I swear to God. Shut the front door. I swear to God. You Costanza it from that moment on. Yes. So whatever made sense to you, you want the opposite. I want the opposite. And I won. And my, my buddy that ran it, his name's Mark, he, he's giving me the money. He's like, he's like I I've just, never seen a comeback. I, yeah, like he goes, this. what did you do? I don't understand. I was like, I don't know. I just, something clicked. That's the most positive thing you've ever said to me in oh. your entire friendship. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a little verklumped right now. He just couldn't believe that I went from dead last and won the damn thing. That is incredible. He's like, Kurt, every That's week a 30 I kept, for 30 right I kept watching and saying, there's no way he can do it again. There's no way he can do it again. There's no way he can do it again. I feel like you have to like retire after that. Like just, just and another Costanza. You just walk out. When, yeah, uh, walk when, out of the room. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out. All right. We got a couple uh, housekeeping items. Housekeeping. No, thank you. Sleeping. Yeah, well, we've got um, some unfortunate news out of Wisconsin. Jack Cohn, the starting quarterback senior, injured his foot, had surgery. He is out indefinitely. So Graham Mertz, the the heir apparent, has been named QB1 over the elder Chase Wolf. All right, so let's talk about that a little bit. Okay. Um, I've listened to a lot of national podcasts about it. 
and their general thought process is, eh, doesn't matter. It's Wisconsin. You know, you kind of interchange these quarterbacks. Now, I'm not saying they're completely off base with that, but are we are we giving Cone a, a little disservice with that? Because we are talking about by especially by the end of the year, a very very efficient quarterback. Oh, if you remember me talking him up, I was reading his stats, and th- this come from a guy I used to bash him. I'll be honest. I apologize to Jack Cohn personally. I did that last year, and I'm doing it again right now. No, Jack Cohn, I thought was an incredibly efficient. I underrated quarterback last year. He he actually got into the underrated. Yes. Yeah. So I think so. So I'm actually going to expand upon that. Okay, and maybe this is my Hawkeye slash bringing my Illini podcast partner Gopher in Nebraska and Purdue fans can kind of get in with us Northwestern as well if you want to go ahead and invite them but basically what I'm talking about here is is there a did the door open up a little bit for other teams in the Big Ten West because obviously as much as I'd like to fight against it Wisconsin has had a stranglehold on the Big Ten West did the door open up a little bit wider with Cone being gone I mean I it's hard to answer that because like you were saying, Wisconsin quarterbacks are Wisconsin quarterbacks. And from what we had always been hearing, Chase Wolf was doing great. And he was coming along, and they were confident in him being the successor. And now they're saying Mertz is actually better than him. So I don't know. I, I don't know that it opened. So I can't say that it did. Because obviously the glasses have full look of it, if you're a Badger fan, is this will actually force the coaches to put the more talented quarterback in to see what he can do and he could take the reins and go nuts. Right. So that's one thing. Okay. Looking at this as an overall thing, just real quick with the, with the uh, Wisconsin offense. Okay. We lost the home run of all home run threats last year at running back. Oh boy. With, with, with JT being gone. Oh yes. And he looks good in a lion's uniform too. He's talented, right? Quintez Cephas as well at white. So what I'm saying is, I think the biggest thing lacking, and maybe we talked about this a little bit in the Wisconsin, you know, team team preview, the big playability could could take a really big step back for Wisconsin. And yeah, if you if you don't put those quick points up, and instead it's instead of being twenty one to three at times, because that's what Wisconsin would do. It would be plod plod pop. Yeah, plod plod pop. Usually it was JT and Quintez. True. And that ball that Quintez caught was a perfectly placed ball by sure. Cohen. Okay. Now we've got all three. We've got all three levels gone. I always think of the three levels of the Dallas Cowboys back in the day with Michael Irvin and Troy Aikman and Emmett Smith. You mm-hmm. know, they're all gone That's from last point. year. That's so a good point. Now, could it be a situation where it's you have have to have more sustained drives out of Wisconsin? The defense will still be good. I have I have no doubts on the oh, defense. Yeah. But this now makes it instead of that twenty-one to three game, it's a thirteen to six game. Sure, that's a that's a that's only two possessions for each team. That's a big difference. I'm wondering if that's how this could wind up being for Wisconsin. Crazy yeah. or the, is no? There not crazy. There? No, not crazy. But I'm just kind of scared of the ability of of, of uh, Graham Mertz. There you go. I mean, we we saw him playing that that all-star game. And I, you know, I, I even, he was dropping dimes. 
I know, but my my dad said, "Oh, just see that Wisconsin." And I go, "Yeah, but it's just an all star. It's game. an all star game, so I, I don't take too much it's, from it." It's quasi football, but he's still on Wisconsin. He's still a Badger. He's still wearing red and white, so it's just going to work out. I think so. I understand. And Jalen Berger's going to be Jonathan Taylor 2.0. So it'll just be two younger versions of what we've seen before. Yes, that's your gut. And then he can just go down the field vertically and open it up that way too. I haven't made up my mind on it, but what you just said also makes perfect sense. In fact, it's almost as, it makes almost as much sense as what I just tried to perfectly lay out. Right. You just did the antithesis of it. I did. It it makes just as much sense. It's like matter and antimatter. It is matter, antimatter mixture. A lot more antimatter mixture out there. And you know what happens when they collide? Big things happen. They annihilate one another. Yes, yes. It's a big deal. Uh, Do you have any more? uh, Because I've got, I just got points of contact to talk about. That's all I got. All right, so we are a – what conference do we mostly – Big Ten Conference. Big Ten Conference, okay. So the biggest competition that we have is the SEC. Yes. So I just want to point a couple of things out. There's just a couple situations. So it seems to be that we always have to bow down to the SEC East – or the SEC West, right? The SEC West, the SEC West, okay. Must worship at the altar. So once again – Nobody's going to deny the Alabama Crimson Tide are a pretty good football team. They're a machine. Yes, they are a machine. It's They're an offensive machine. You know, growing up, your slightly older brother's Alabama teams were defensive-oriented. Sure. These are – these. they got receivers for days. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Of course. So I'm not trying to – you know, there's nothing against Alabama as the top team. Now, let's find the second-best team in the mighty SEC West. All right, let's hear it. Right now – it is a entire rest of the way tie. Everybody in the SEC West is one and is one. Is one and one. So Ellis or Auburn is ranked 13th currently, which is a joke. I mean, when you have two whole Power Five conferences that are not, I mean, really quick side, aside, BYU has looked impressive. Okay. BYU in a typical year, if they were 3 and 0 like they were, Blowing out just awful teams. This, there's, this is not up for debate. Right. They have blown out awful teams. Yeah. We wouldn't even be paying attention to BYU. No. But the lack of teams to just watch. Yeah. People have been watching BYU, which I'm okay with. That's that's fine. But we are now propping BYU into... I've seen pe- uh, people put them into their top six teams. I mean, that's ridiculous. But I don't know. I think they would crack the top 25 just because... Yes. The, when oh, when yes. I watched them, they had a mauling offensive line. They they would definitely be cracking the top 25. But at 21, let's say, if, again, we are under the situation yeah. of it was a quote-unquote normal year and all the conferences and teams were playing... Do you do you think any of the national sports writers would be talking about BYU? No, right they wouldn't even mention them. Okay, so in that same vein, Auburn at thirteen is a joke. They got bitch slapped by Georgia. Okay, and I know that's an SEC team, but the point I'm trying to make is Arkansas, Mississippi State, Auburn, LSU, Ole Miss, and Texas A&M are all one and one. Texas A&M has not looked impressive. No. Ole Miss, great offense, just an absolutely trash oh, defense. Yes. LSU is completely in flux. Yes. I mean, they got blitzed by Mississippi State. Mississippi State turned around and got destroyed the next week. Like, it's just a, it's a, it's a bowl of yuck. You know what or, I or like? Just, it's just a bowl of meh. Yeah. underneath Alabama. But here's what I like about it: Arkansas is technically in second because 
alphabetical, alphabetical order. I like yeah. the, the Razorbacks. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, second in the SEC West. I like that. Um, so my thing is like we are still under this impression that the SEC West is just this, you know, leaps and bounds above everybody. Well, I mean, I saw LSU was ranked like, preseason number six. Or I mean, something. it's just I'm ridiculous. Like, Look, they, I they know lost. they reload, but come on. <laughs> They lost not just the players; they lost the coaches, coaches too. Owen, Owen D coordinator. <laughs> yes. there, there are consequences to mass exodus. I could types not of believe they were ranked sex. It's like then, oh my, it's, then it's like people that don't even pay attention. There's like, well, they won it last year, so we got to put them in sex. I think that's as deep as they went. Wow, with their with their their you know prognostication. I'm not saying I was predicting Mississippi State to torch them, but I mean. Come on, you knew there was going to be some rough times, right? Shout out to Bull Pelini for refusing to get out of man defense. <laughs> <laughs> As Nebraska fans are like nodding so hard that they're almost breaking their Shout neck. out to his uh, his his mask game, too, by the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I loved that. <laughs> then you go to the SEC East. Okay. Florida, Georgia, Tennessee. They're, they're actually three pretty solid. Yes. Teams. Oh, yeah. And then it's junk after that. Kentucky, Missouri, <laughs> South Carolina, Vanderbilt are junk. I guess my point I'm trying to make is how exactly did what we just say differ from what the Big Ten would have to offer two to three weeks into their season? I think what we're seeing here is that the SEC has not had a chance to beat up on shit teams. Well, that's true. Because they only play eight conference games and four non-conference games. They, they're not beating up on those teams. It's, it's now a good we're point. seeing... What it looks like when you play multiple, because the Big Ten has stupidly been playing nine conference games. Yes. They are getting a taste of <laughs> Big Ten medicine. I don't know how else a to little say bit. It. Yeah. Is it not already playing out? I think so. I, I mean, you look at the the Big Ten. I mean, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, and I would put Indiana in there for the Big Ten West. And it's almost reversed because then after that, it's a drastic drop off. And then you look at the Big Ten West, pick out a bad team in the Big Ten West. There's no bad team. No. We we, we maybe you can look reach at, in to put Wisconsin as an elite team. I mean, right now they're ranked 16th, which is, again, I mean, nothing. You, but. you can look at Purdue and Northwestern from last year and say those are bad teams, but does does anybody really want to play Northwestern and Purdue this year? I mean, once we get into the team previews, which is one of them coming, but the point I'm trying to make is let's just – Let's distinguish this thought process that the mighty SEC West is here to snatch your soul. These teams have not looked no, that good at no, all. Not. All right, a couple more things to point out. Um, I think we kind of already just kind of touched on it a little bit, but the the no non-con schedule. Okay, so we touched on the SEC. Now let's give it a little yep. Big Ten flavor. Um, this is a reset in people's brain that you're going to have to have that approximately nobody will do. But I'm going to challenge our extremely intelligent listeners, okay? I'm going to use Indiana, which is perfect because it's basically an it's a nuance of the Hoosier line, okay? Okay. Last I already year, like it. Last year Indiana finished the regular season 8 and 4, okay? They beat up on the non-conference schedule, which yes, they did. They 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 had three winnable three. games, they won them all. Yeah. Right? So I'm not this isn't disparaging the Hoosiers. They did what they were, you know, supposed to do. Supposed yep. to do. They finished five and four in the Big Ten that year. Okay, that's nine games. How many Big Ten games will Indiana play this year? Eight before the well, eventually nine. 
So let's say they go five and four. They will finish five and four for the year. They don't have those fluff games to make their eight and four record. Sure. Well, that's course. a big deal. Like it's as you look but back, that's the same with any conference. I mean, I know that the SEC gets that. one extra, but it's that, that's across the board. What I'm saying is Indiana could wind up going five and four this year. They went five and four in the Big Ten last year. You could make the argument that it would be a more impressive year for Indiana to go five and four this year than to go eight and four last year, or at least about the same. But it's not going to look the same on paper. Right. A five and four record will never look as good as what an eight no, and four of record. Not. And that's tough on a, especially a team like Indiana, Illinois. They want those three wins. Oh, gosh. Iowa, I mean, Ohio State, you assume they're they're going to get those three wins, so it's not as big a difference for teams. Well, yeah, I mean, there's going to be teams that finish three and five in the Big Ten that normally would have a solid year, but this year it's not. Even even better, even better yeah. example. A three and five Big Ten team that went three and oh out of conference? Yeah. That's a, that's normally a, that's a year, six and six Yeah, team. normally saying, hey, not a bad year. We went, we're we're but, going bowling. But this year it's going to – and there's not going to be probably as many bowls. So this year a record like that's going to look worse than it normally would. Correct. Yeah. That is something that it, we're going to see play out as it goes. Another, uh, um, um, another thing to factor in here, weather. Amazingly, in the upper Midwest, definitely here in Minnesota, it's been incredible for the weather. It's almost like, to me, a tease. It's too good. That's what's going on right now. So we – We've had an Indian summer here just today. I mean, it was in the 80s. Yeah, so about 80, yeah. We know that we're screwed now, right? Oh, yeah. This is this is the teaser before it goes. Yeah. This will you you know how this is going to work out, right? It's going to get bitter cold <laughs> right as as Big 10 football is going to kick off. Yeah, that's probably true. That's how it's going to go, right? I mean, and there's been no discussion. I've heard nothing about playing indoors. Like any kind of no. you know contingency plan if it's you know We've, oh, never we've, we've never played this, this late. late. No, we've never played this late into a season. And comparing it to the SEC, oh, go figure. The SEC playing in warmer environments starts earlier, and the Big Ten <laughs> colder environments starts later. And I go back to what I have, have just been pounding on. We should have started this damn thing early September. Yeah, they had a good plan in place. They really did. So with that being said, we are. it seems like we are under the same thought process that the the – the, the skies will turn gray soon, okay? As thinking of offensive styles, who does that benefit? The who Iowa's, did? the Wisconsin's. Right? Yeah. Is it is it a crazy thought? No. Like the more basketball on grass teams? Of course. I, okay, not not conspiracy although, theory. This is the no, thing. not conspiracy theory. Although, the la- well, I guess the last week goes with December 14. Is that right? The last, that, that week nine? Does that sound right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty, that's a lot later than usual. That's we're usually, quite late. We're usually done Thanksgiving weekend with the regular season, right? I'm typically done being outdoors right about Thanksgiving. I'm, sure. I, I stay indoors until about Easter. Yeah. We will be playing football a month past that. I mean, nobody wants to play in Minnesota outdoors in December, not. do they? Or Iowa or Wisconsin, even Nebraska. I mean, it's the same. It's Ugh. all cold. It's all cold. Yeah. We, we, we ha- I don't think Big Ten fans and certainly Big Ten officials have, like, really thought about this. Like, I don't think it's 
soaked through the sports writers and the Twitter sphere, and it's not there yet. Like, it's going to be borderline abysmal for the yeah. last three, four games of the year. It will. It will. And, you know, you can say, well, NFL plays outside. That's true. But they're also professionals. They've been doing it longer. Some of these... And there's more indoor games. They some, just flat out have more indoor games. Yeah, but some of these, especially young players that are from the South, can you imagine them playing outside in December? For the first time this year. Yeah. Or even redshirt freshmen from yeah. the South that have just never played. I mean, I, and now, I feel bad for those poor kids. <laughs> they've got, I don't like playing outside in those. No, no. Now, cold weather hits. They certainly hurt more. The more you advance in your years, I don't think there's any doubt about that. It's good to be, you know, young and dumb. Yeah. With that being said, cold is cold. Footballs don't travel as well yeah. when it's freezing. And boy, they hurt when they hit your hands. Oh, man. Do you remember, do you ever have the... Tackling hurts. Do you ever, do you ever have the cold hand that got pinched between your face oh, sure. and yeah. another... That might be one of the most painful things yeah. of all time. I'll never forget the coldest game I played in. It was, it was actually my first varsity start. Okay, good. Yeah, at the end of my junior year. And it was just absolutely mis- miserable, miserable the entire miserable time. Cold. Yeah. You just don't it, – it's hard to, like you, – you kind of have the thought process of, I don't want to be out here, but everybody else is doing it. I don't want to be the one. Exactly. <laughs> no, there was not a single person out there that wanted to be there. <laughs> but nobody's going to say stop because no. that's the way it goes. <laughs> All right. Okay. So we have got a two-team – podcast we've got the michigan wolverines and the northwestern wildcats right yes okay michigan is it first in the alphabet so we'll start with the michigan wolverines okay last five years 47 and 18 which works out to about a nine and a half to three and a half record so nine and four ten and three somewhere around there um, their high is ten and three. They've actually had a couple times they've done that. Their low is eight and four. Last year they went nine and four. That's a Michigan line. That's amazing. That's the Michigan line. That's I mean that's consistency. It is consistency. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's who Michigan is right there. Head coach, of course, Jim Harbaugh, aka Khaki Pants. We got defensive coordinator Don Brown in his fifth year, second year for offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis. We uh, let's go ahead and start out. We'll start with the offense. Yeah. Yeah. But before we get there, okay. one thing I just wanted to point out is we're going to be talking about replacing a lot of starters here. Right. So on offense, they returned three on defense. They returned five um, total production returning on offense. Let's stick with offense. Okay. Right now. 36 percent. Yeah. It's good for 120th in the country. OK. I know I'm skipping ahead a little bit yep, here, but right. production on defense, 49 percent. Yeah. It's 111th in the country. So I looked up. Now those are those are pick six previews numbers, but um, he doesn't do all 130 teams. So I looked up in Phil Steele. Where is Michigan in returning production according to Phil Phil Steele? Out of 130 teams, where would you guess they are? So okay, so different numbers from the pick six you just gave. Right. Sorry. So high, higher. I'd I'd say higher, like 60th or 70th. In returning experience. Retur- returning experience. No. Worse. No. So there are. And again, it is pick six okay. versus Phil Steele. All right. 120 and 111. So you got to combine those two together. They don't yeah. even have one good side of the. Yeah. I'll give, it, give you a hint. It's one of the worst in the country. Go. You tell uh, me. They're dead last in returning really? production. Really? 130th in the country. And that's before losing Nico Collins and Ambry Thomas. 
Yep. So they're like 132 out of 130 teams now. Okay. So if we're going to try to put it's a... It's not even possible. Yeah. Somehow did it. If we're, if we're going to try to put a positive spin on that, okay? We're, we're really looking uh, maize and blue glasses, not just half full. It's somehow more than that. Who are you missing off of that offense from last year? Who left? That's it's a good point, right? Okay, like the, I mean, I don't think you are missing the quarterback, correct? No, I mean he was good, but he wasn't gonna. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't gonna go out and win games by himself for you, right? He, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if anybody looked worse in those. Like I don't know how he even got invited to the combine. Yeah, he looked bad. And of course, we're talking about uh, quarterback Shea Patterson. But yeah, he, he had a good, good career at Michigan. He wasn't great, but he was good. I don't know if I'd call it good. Well, I think I would. I would call it good. Anyway, I would call it slightly above average. Okay, okay. Continue. I guess the point I'm trying to make is, um, I think you could make the argument that the quarterback situation at Michigan really couldn't get much worse than it was last year. Oh, come on. It wasn't that bad. I don't know. It was pretty bad. So let's go ahead and go to the quarterback. All right. Joe Milton is the man. We know that now because we've... Wait, I thought his name's Cam Newton now. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> so you've seen the articles. Yes. Okay. So, I mean, the hype machine, the Michigan hype machine is in full swing this year. Would you not agree? There is a certain Michigan State listener that is going to die laugh that you went after this. So I don't know how how much common knowledge it is by un big 10 beatniks like, like me and you. But yes, I have seen some of the most, I think salacious. Does that fit? Does the word fit? Um, what we're talking about I, is Michigan. What we're talking about is Michigan produced. Salacious articles. is like negativity, isn't okay, it? Okay. Okay. I, I thought know. salacious was just ridiculous would be. No? Let's just use ridiculous. Okay. Cause we don't know. What what they have basically said is, can't is um uh, Joe Milton is a combination of like Cam Newton athleticism with Tom Brady's decision making yep. with um who's John Elway's arm something like that. I mean I stopped after Cam Newton to be honest with you, and nothing against Joe. I'm sure he's very talented. I mean they bring a great talent, but then you know Connor McCaffrey is gone. Yeah. Um. So you know. Dylan McCaffrey. I'm sorry, Dylan McCaffrey's yep. gone. So, who who do they have after that? We don't know. I mean, I, got, I don't think anybody knows. Well, they got this guy, Cade McNamara, four star from Reno, Nevada. Of course, and, he's and a then four-star. after that, nothing. Drop off. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah, and so, we don't know much of all of anything about Cade. But McNamara. if you put things in perspective, right there, there are certain group of five teams and even power five teams that would love the talent that they have right there. They got two four star quarterbacks. Yeah, I suppose. But so. They're top two, by the way, right now. Joe Milton, Cade McNamara are pro style. Yeah. Which is not what no. they wanted to do, right? So me and you are still dubious to the fact that Gaddis is actually the offensive coordinator. I'm still not convinced. Um, but wouldn't that pro style quarterback fit right back in the khaki pants? It that's, would fit better. Right so I wonder if they'll I wonder if that's what we'll see this year. It's just more of his traditional offense. So there's not much that we can really say about Joe Milton right now because I don't think there's anything that anybody can say about Joe Milton until we say Joe Milton play. I saw him playing a spring game for a handful of snaps, yep. and I was like, okay, big guy, big arm. Big arm. He does have a big arm. He does have a big arm, yep. but he was 
I don't know if he's trimmed down because people say, oh, he's, he can he can move a little bit too. He didn't look like it in the spring game I watched, yeah. but yeah, I don't know. Again, it was only a handful of snaps. So, like, I know that you said returning starters three on offense. I actually pumped that up to five. I mean, Athlon, okay. Athlon said that they don't have a returning starter at running back. I mean, that's BS right Okay, there. great Zach point. Char- Zach Charbonnet is – or Hassan Haskins. The, the, you got at least one returning starter at running back right there. Good point. So – I think they're set up pretty darn well at running back. Oh, they got a great running back. They got I mean, a great running now, back room. I, so it's really deep. They don't have a Jonathan Taylor. They don't have a J.K. Dobbins. They don't have a, you know, a game breaker. Yeah. But I mean, they've got running backs for days. Right. So then we get to the receivers. Now, at one point, we were in pretty dang good shape with receivers with Ronnie Bell and Nico Collins, but Nico Collins is opted out. Correct. I've seen conspiracy theories by Michigan fans that he's actually opted in, but khaki pants is just keeping it secret. I doubt that's the truth. I think if, I think if Nico Collins is practicing, we'd see him practice. Now I would say Ronnie Brown led the team in receptions last year. So he is, excuse me, Ronnie Bell. He led the team in receptions last year. Yep. So they got their, their second down receiver back the take the top off guy, the special guy it's Michigan. He's on the roster right now. I believe that, but with Nico Collins gone, that's he's gone. That guy's gone from the offense. I mean, look at the touchdowns last year. Ronnie bell had one. Yep. Nico Nico Collins Collins seven had seven Donovan people. Jones six. That's that's so that's your bell cow receiver right there. Ronnie bell. Correct. I don't know, man. Okay, I mean, so you said, well, who now? Do you... Gile, now, Giles, Giles Jackson. Yes. Okay, talented. They, they've Correct. got talented there. Mike Sanistrill. Yep. Cornelius Johnson. So there's there's dudes. There's talent. There's dudes. It's Michigan. There's dudes. But we don't know is the point. And here's the thing. These guys, like the, the depth that they have right now, we, we've never seen any of these guys. We've seen some of the starters, the guys slated to start. We've seen them. I'd be scared of the depth on this team too. That depth is a concern. But you said, you said, but who do who are we missing from last year? Okay, well tell me who on this offense right here uh, at the skill positions scares you if you're a defensive coordinator. It's a good point. It's a good point. I mean, Donovan Peoples Jones missing from last year, that's a deal. Yeah. If if Nico Collins was back, I think I could stand by my statement, but now I kind of retracted a little bit, I guess. But Okay, but receivers. I'm gonna, I'm going to throw one at you here. Okay. You're going to see this guy on the field a lot this year. Okay. True freshman, A.J. Henning. Okay. From Lincoln Way East High School in Frankfurt, Illinois. Okay. This guy's a burner. I've been I've been bashing Michigan for two year, two plus years on this podcast saying that they just nobody jumps off the screen as an explosive playmaker. This guy might be it. Okay. It's Michigan. I hate to be the crock, you know, rely on it, but like they've got some talent to catch the ball. It's Somewhere. I just, it's hard for me to think that they don't. But what about uh, blocking? What about. Yeah. And then Nick Eubanks returning starter at tight end. You don't want to block or uh, just skip over that. So then, uh, offensive line. At one point, they would have had an entirely new offensive line. Sure. And then what we're talking about is right tackle Jalen Mayfield. Maybe he's switched over to left tackle. We don't know, but he's back now. At least you got one. Dude, right there. Yeah. Put to set the offensive line on. Again, I know it's Michigan. I'm sure some of these guys, at least one or two of these guys, are going to wind up being extremely solid offensive yes, linemen. For we, sure. We know that's going to be the case. But 
Not from day one. Nope. It's going to take some time. So what is that offensive line going to look like game one to four? Well, and what they sent, I think they sent four of their offensive linemen to the NFL, didn't they? Yes. Okay. And look at what they did last year. Rushing offense, 77th in the country. Passing offense, 50th in the country. Sacks, they gave up. They were 59th in the country giving up sacks. And do you remember coming into last year, this was supposed to be like oh, an yeah. all-timer yes. offensive line. Correct. Yeah. So you remove all those guys. You put in all new guys that we haven't seen before. I don't see those numbers improving very much. Hard to say. Hard to say. I mean, this is going to be a defensive-led football team, is it not? So I guess that's as good as time as any. Switch over. Yeah, but I guess, you know... I don't I didn't even get... go over I didn't even go over their numbers last year. NCA they were total offense 68th in the country total offense 402 yards a game. Points per game 44th at 31.7. That's not horrible. Yeah. They were they were just an yeah, uh, abysmal red zone offense. In fact, they got red zone issues all over the place. But so I guess to not get too negative cuz we've really we have been pretty negative so far. It's Michigan. They're recruiting Michigan talent. It's not Ohio State. But talent. are we being lazy with that take? I think what what you said about it may take some time for the offensive line to get together. It could be ugly early on. Okay. And All we right. could see a, a team like much like last year that improved towards the end of the year. That is true. But then eh, yeah. when they played Ohio State. Whoops a daisy. Um which gets us to the defense. So now you are looking at a little bit better situation. Total defense oh. last year, eleventh. Yeah. <laughs> Only allowed 307 yards per game. Points per game, a little bit of a dip at 20.7 points per game. Um, keep it on the red zone theme. Their red zone defense last year. Want to take a guess? You know, have any idea what it was at? Red zone defense? Red zone defense. So we just gave oh, the man. total defense numbers. 11th. So in the country, ranked in the country. Yep. What was their red zone defense? Yeah, 11th in total defense. What was their red zone defense? I mean, I would have said uh, 25th. 122nd. No way. Their red zone defense? Yes. How is that possible? It is like almost like a statistical anomaly that should not be possible. But I don't even believe that. Essentially, they basically stopped people from ever crossing the 50-yard line. But if you cross the 40, you scored a touchdown. It's insane. It's a weird, weird deal. Or did they tackle a lot of people at the one-yard line? Like, <laughs> like they were outside of the red right. zone, got tackled at the one, and then, you know, it's first and goal. Ideal. Uh, that has got to be one of the biggest statistical no, amount. I, yeah. I don't think I believe that. <laughs> okay. You can, uh, you can check. Name a source. Fact, I want you your source. You can, we're, we're into the fact-check season. You can, <laughs> you can fact-check me after that. So, okay. it The D-line looks to be very, very good. Um, Aiden Hutchinson who is a Nick Boza and Derek Thomas <laughs> love child. <laughs> okay, we're laughing because it's another article that I, that I, I didn't read. see that one. Yeah, that's oh, another I, one. I did, maybe I did see that one. Basically, they said Aiden Hutchinson is just another Bosa and blah, blah, blah. I think Which, I, by the way, you just owned yourself. Don't don't call your star defensive end, defensive end a Bosa. That's no, your rivals. But you know like, what? Pick somebody else. But Michigan fans hate seeing that crap preseason, too. I think the good ones do, yeah. Yeah, the ones that know what's going on. Yeah, I, I see so. a lot of complaining this time. They're like, from, oh, okay. here, we go, here yeah, we go again. Here we go again. Oh, With boy. that being said, Aiden Hutchinson and Quiddy Pay as defensive ends, fantastic. Yes, There's, absolutely. We're not. We are no longer joking. That is a fantastic way to start your yep. defense. Carlo Kemp also very good defensive yep. tackle. Christopher Hinton, Donovan Jeter, dude, they've 
Well, Chris got, Hinton is a five star. Correct. So We've they got should talent. have an awesome front four here. Their front four should be. Incredible. And I got to say, I'm impressed at how they reload on the defensive line. Yeah, they do it every year. Yeah, yeah. I'm, so we don't know how much to say about the defensive line, other than you know, sacks. We'll see. Like the sacks could be a little bit better with, but just overall looking at it from a grand scheme of things, comparing it to other defensive lines, not only in the country, but in the big 10, this is very good. Absolutely. Defensive line linebackers. Now they, they do the two line They They basically are running a four, two, five. So they call their, their nickel slash hybrid guy a Viper. So Cameron McGrone, very good linebacker. Well, solid and a very solid linebacker. Um, and now and Josh Ross was injured. Yeah, he started. He was now, a starter. At, so they got two starters. Back. Yeah, they so really, that's so that's so a good Josh point Ross too. is not listed as, as a starter. But they really do have a, an additional starter. So it that's really should be more like six on defense. At Viper, they got Michael Barrett, who they are expecting to step in. Like the Viper position has been good and good and amazing and good. Like we haven't seen anything out of the Viper position. Other than production, there's no reason yes. to think that would drop off. Fair again, DBs. When does Michigan have bad DBs? They just don't. But losing Ambry Thomas, yeah, is gigantic. That hurts. But so they, the front seven, I can't say or front whatever you want to call it, eight, seven, you know, I six. I can't say anything bad about that. The D backs got a little bit of concern there. They they they've just got. Talented dudes, they're going to have to step in. Okay, so two good safeties. And Daxton Hill was basically a starter last year at, at the nickel. So I think you can throw maybe another starter in there. Maybe I actually to... have eight. I have eight lists as, okay. as returning starters. I, th- I think it's fair to say. Okay. We're going to have, Seven, a, good, eight. We're going to have a, a good Michigan defense. Very good Michigan defense. The safeties are going to be excellent. I'm not really that concerned about corners. the, the corners. They yep. always have good corners. Yep. And I think if you have a weakness here, well, I don't know if it's linebacker, but I think the linebackers are going to be helped by the defensive line play. It's going to be a good defense. It's going to be a great defense. Yep. I could yep. see them being better than last year, to be okay. honest so, with you. So what we're hearing right here, to start the year off with Michigan, take the unders. Yes. Unders are going to be a big play. I'm going to predict right now, in the first five games of the year, Michigan over-unders, four, they will go 4-1 and one under okay. to start the year off. Ready? Okay, we're going to do it. Okay. All someone, right. someone make a note of that. Somebody make a note of that. All right, now we go to the schedule. They're over under. You is... always pass up the specialists. <laughs> they go, got two good bad. kickers, Quinn Nordine and yep. Pat Moody. Yeah, it's a big deal. And their punter, Will Hart, returns. And by the way, Jay Harbaugh takes over as the coach. What kind of pants do you think he wears? I'm going to say like more of a gray. Okay. Like a little bit more hip. He wants to try to differentiate himself from Okay, his... just a muted color. Like doesn't stand out. Yeah. Yeah. But you can't be khaki because... You can't. There's only one khaki can't in the Harbaugh the family. All right. So over under for the year is six and a half. Oh, my podcast partner shrieked back when I said that to him. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot of that's a lot of wins right there. That's a lot of wins right there. So I think what you're seeing right there, but that's on the nine game schedule. That is a nine game schedule. So what you're looking at right there is I'm just gonna I'm gonna read your brain here. You ready for this? Yeah. You think they're gonna lose to Ohio State? Yes. You think they're gonna lose to Penn State? Yes. Okay. That would be two losses back right now. So that would put it at seven. Correct. correct. For, so for total, no zero room for error now. If they don't beat them, okay, because they also play. Wisconsin, they're at Indiana, Indiana, they're at Minnesota and Indiana. Okay. So 
this is a thing, right? I've gone back and forth with Michigan on this. So that gets us into the biggest or to the uh, we're going to skip to the scariest game of the year. I think it's Minnesota. That's what I have. That's what you have, too, because uh, and, and you reinforced it by talking about the offensive line. The first game of the year is probably not going to look very pretty. Right. I, I that's definitely I, I didn't get I didn't really have to think about that one. No, much. I I think it was pretty I, much sitting there. For I kind of right? I thought a little bit about Indiago. No, no, no. Because, you know, just if Michigan starts the season 0-1 and loses the jug. That's not a then that six and a half is done. It's gone. It's toast. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a and now the thing is, is if I'm going, you know, next layer deep. Minnesota's defense has. A lot of question marks. Yes, they do. So that is like under, under. It's a crazy thing. Get you excited. Kind of almost get you excited to watch some Big Ten football, right? And then they go uh, Michigan State. No offense, Sparty, but like we're we're predicting a tough year. And then Indiana. Now, we very much think Indiana is going to be a very good team. Um, But Michigan has owned Indiana. There's a mental block. There is a mental block there. So, and then into Wisconsin. I mean, that is just a, there isn't one game in there that's not interesting. You got the first game of the year versus the Gophers, which we just broke down. A rivalry game with Michigan State. The team you've owned for literally a millennia with Indiana. But Indiana, we know, is tough. I guarantee Indiana has that game circled. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And then Wisconsin, who absolutely... Just tossed you out of the stadium last year. How so, about that for so three, the first four games? Right. So three spices and prob and one probable win. Right. So you're already potentially out of it after the first four games. Do you think we just talked people into taking the under of this? I yeah. mean, okay. And then, then what's crazy is the last four games. You go easy win, easy loss, easy win, easy loss. Yeah. I mean, basically, Rutgers, Penn State, Maryland, Ohio State. Yeah. Now I'm not saying. Penn State is an easy loss. I, I I don't think we can throw that out. I do think they're going to beat Rutgers in Maryland. But the Penn State game, to me, could have the potential for being the biggest game of the year. But it's Michigan. I'm always going to take Ohio State-Michigan as the biggest game of the year. Yes, Otherwise, we're just lying to ourselves. Exactly. But if you, if you wanted to put on a PowerPoint presentation to the college football world, that the actual biggest game of the year was Penn State. I think I could put a a good four or five slides into that. I I wouldn't. I'm thinking about throwing Wisconsin in there too. Yeah, that's and, a, and that, maybe that's I'm a being swing game at game four. Maybe I'm being a little too negative because I'm I, I just look at Penn State and I just chalk it up as as an L. I'm not saying they can't win the game. I'm just for me instant. Okay, they're gonna probably gonna lose that one. So to salvage your season, beat Wisconsin. Okay. So basically, you're still putting Ohio State number one for biggest game of the year. Yes, but two A and two B, Wisconsin and Penn State. Yep, I can't disagree with that. I'm in, I'm I'm interested to watch the Michigan Wolverines play this year. That's that's what I'm going to say. I, you know, after seeing that 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 total right there, I think I might call my financial yeah. advisor, special friend. Okay, yeah. I wouldn't blame you. All right, you ready for next team? Yep. All right, that brings us to the Northwestern Wildcats. Shout out to our boy Chappie. Couple conversations with Chappie to help me 
work through my wildcat purple knowledge. All right, last five years, 39 and 26, which works out almost perfectly to an eight and five record. Their high is 10 and three, which they've done twice. Low last year at three and nine. Pat Fitzgerald has been at Northwestern for 115 years. Let me check that. 15 years. Mike Hankwitz been there at 125 years. Let me check that. Also 15 years. 13. 13? Hankwitz been there 13. Okay. All right. So he was a couple years behind. All right. yeah. I think I just made like a uh, assumption there. It just seems like he's been there 15. Yeah, he missed out the first two years. Offensive coordinator, new Mike Bajakin. So we got the Mike and Mike show at the coordinators. Okay. Yeah. So let's get let's jump in the ugly pond early, right? We'll, we'll start talking about the offense. Okay. Before we do that. I would love to laugh at their three and nine record, but I still can't laugh at that. I know because their one win conference was against Illinois. Yeah, that's tough. I'm that sorry. hurts, man. That does hurt. I'm sorry. All right, let's move on. Okay, we'll go to something that maybe will cheer you up. Was as an Illini fan, just how bad the Northwestern offense was last year. It was so terrible. Look, we're we're gonna do these. We're gonna do these stats. Total offense, 123rd in the country. Didn't even get to 300 yards a game. 290 yard per game. Somehow, even worse, the scoring offense was 126 at 16.3 yards per game. What we had, you know the you know the Spider-Man meme, where the two Spider-Mans. Yep. That was Rutgers' offense and Northwestern's offense pointing at each other last year. It was like it was like one of those deals where one thing f- breaks down on a machine, and then another thing breaks down, yeah. and there's just a like a Cataclysmic snowball failure. effect. That's what happened to the Northwestern offense last year. You know, so they return 88% of their production, which is good for fifth in the country. But you know the saying, the good news is everyone returns. The bad news is everyone returns. This is virtually the same offense with the exception of the quarterback. Correct. I mean, I would put it right on the line of returning starters being eight or nine. Interesting that we're using Northwestern in the same podcast as Michigan because they're like almost complete I opposites. I mean, right. you have talent, but no returning starters for Michigan. With Northwestern, you have a ton of returning starters, but not so much talent. We're, we're really kind of questioning the talent. With that being said, we've got a quarterback now, right? And that's Peyton Ramsey, who we had a podcast man crush with totally for the last year or two who basically plays beyond his ability somehow every game seems to play beyond what what you think he his body can do like and he gets thrown in the worst timing situation and he just starts playing football that's what he does and he's a leader yeah he is a leader so we are we want if if you are a northwestern fan you want peyton ramsey to be the quarterback this year that looks better playing the position than what we saw last year. And we just need someone to look like a quarterback. Really? I mean, now here's the thing, Mike Bajakin. Okay. What do we know about him? He has got a lot of NFL experience was at Boston college last year. So would you think, Oh, Northwestern's going to go back to their kind of mid two thousands where they're, spreading the ball around, doing stuff like that. That's not what Mike Bajakin does. He he has double tights, play action. He he relies on accurate passing, you know, finding the open guy in a zone type of thing. Can Peyton Ramsey do that? Yes, but that's not what he did at Indiana. 
No, and and double tights. I'd be a little concerned about that, especially if you want them catching the ball. They had seven catches for 30 yards the entire tight end room last year. Think about that. That's That seems impossible. So if we just go to the pass catchers in general. Okay, returning uh, leading pass catcher for last year is Riley Lease. Okay, yep. 51 catches, 430 yards, two touchdowns. Those are really solid stats. If that is your number two receiver, that's just supposed to be the let's just call it how he's. I mean, that's the white dude that just gets open, catches the ball, yes. and falls down in the zone, gets nine yards on on third and seven. I was even going to say Riley Lee is a great player, but I was going to say he's the guy that you wish was your WR three. Correct, the, two or three, just that. That's it. He was their number one receiver last year, and it wasn't even particularly close. The next guy down, 17 catches, oh 13 gosh. catches. I mean. And by the way, Kyrick McGowan is moving to running back. Well, and he's more of a, he's more going to be more of a gadget guy. He's a gadget okay. guy. He's going to be moving all around. And, you know, I know that we're talking about like a double tight, kind of a play action type of offense, but he's not a straight running back, straight wide receiver. Okay. That's who he's going to be. Fair. But we got to find more. We got to find more. JJ Jefferson that. was okay. Yeah. But we need someone to step up and step up big time. Now, they have a couple freshmen that were pretty highly ranked in their, their recruiting class from 2019 that should be redshirt freshmen this year. So I imagine we'll see a lot of them as well. Um, the offensive line looks, you know, solid. We got three returning starters. Unfortunately, we're going to have four with Rashawn Slater, but he has now opted out, going to go to the. That the, is uh, a. That's a big loss. That's a huge that, loss. That we're talking. He's opting out for a reason. I think he'll get drafted. This is a this oh, was he, a very oh, he's going to get drafted. Tackle. Yeah, I mean, no, there's no doubt. Slides into guard, whatever. You don't just lose that guy off of this offensive line and just blink it away. Like Look, this is a big deal. So my question is, who's going to st- uh, step up and play there? It th- this is so this is an <laughs> here's the biggest problem I have with their offensive line. It's not thin. It's scary thin. Okay. I mean, you you're looking at. Now, we still have a little bit of upperclassmen experience here. They're not void of experience. They still have three returning starters at offensive line. No, I get it. It's but the if total talent of those three guys, and then once we get past those three, which I think that's is That's what I'm here. saying. They're scary thin here. If they start having injuries on this offensive line, they're going to be in trouble. Which is, I think, what we saw last year. Well, we saw a lot of things last we year. We did see a lot of things last year. Now, one of the things that we saw last year – was um, uh, Isaiah Bowser being injured. I mean, he only yeah. wound up the year with, um, um, sorry about that, 59 carries on the whole year. Drake Anderson wind up filling in 154 carries, 4.1 yard average, 600 yards, th- 634 yards. Okay, this isn't a scary offensive backfield, but this isn't an offensive backfield that's new to the game either. This no. is a... This is a solid ex- couple running backs. Yeah, they're experienced, but there's nobody that's a game changer. It, 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 there's no game breaker here. So yeah. I guess my overall question for their offense is, does a serviceable quarterback change things? Or how much does a serviceable quarterback change things? I just, I got this. I got this feeling that our guy, that our guy Peyton, he's got a rough fall in front of him a little bit. and Or what? it just clicks and works that they're, but their their timing, which this is not a good year to rely, 
rely on timing from what I'm seeing out and of a, college And football. a new scheme. Let's not forget, new scheme. They got all these returners, but they're learning a new scheme. But Peyton Ramsey is good. We know he, that. He is good. If their offensive line can be serviceable, if their running backs can be a little bit better than serviceable, and a guy kind of steps out from underneath Riley Lees, we need but, we we don't need just one of those things I to know. happen. All of those things Correct. need to happen for the Northwestern offense. But you know, if there's any team that can do it, it's Northwestern. I know. Then you switch to the other side. Again, parallels here yeah. with Michigan because oh there's some positivity here. Absolutely. Okay, we'll go ahead and start with the most positive uh, position grouping on the team. I could maybe even make a argument that this is the best position grouping of any position in the Big Ten. Okay, that's maybe stretching a little bit. A little, but a lot? Am but, I okay, a lot? They're, they're, We're talking about linebackers. We're talking about the They're in the, the team picture. Okay, I would say four months ago, Penn State definitely had the best linebacking crew in the Big Ten. Okay. But somebody left. Michael yeah. Parsons left. Okay, that's a that's a gigantic void. So who are we talking about here? We're talking about Patty Fisher, Blake Gallagher, and also Chris Bergen. Okay, yeah. three seniors. Everybody knows by the way. Every, all three seniors. They've been tackling people since the Stone Age. Well, I mean, Blake the Blake Gallagher and Patty Fisher have been starting since they're freshmen. Correct. Patty Fisher is the household name. Blake Gallagher is the better linebacker. I feel the same way. About okay, that. feel the same way. Yes. So if somebody, you know. You, it, it, when you go to face the uh, any any team defense, you're like, okay, who's the guy we have to worry about? When it's not Patty Fisher, you know you have a good linebacker crew. Right. That's the guy you have to worry about in Blake Gallagher. And what does that do? It frees up Patty Fisher to make plays. Correct. It's a unbelievable linebacking crew. Yep. Now, switch to the D-line. Okay. They lost Joe Graziano, who – now, this is the thing that's crazy – one of the biggest losses in not only the Big Ten West, but all of the Big Ten for a dude leaving, you know, one single dude leaving a unit. So a dude leaving an offense, sure. dude didn't even make a roster in the oh NFL. Oh, my God. He's on a practice squad. So does that, in turn, cushion the blow a little bit? Like, it's not like he well, was. But basically what you're saying is they can always manufacture a defensive line. There you go. Yes, that's and, my and, positive. And one take of on one it. of my notes here is they it, look. I don't care that they lost him. They always have a good defensive line. They're going to have a good defensive line, or at least line. for the last handful of years, at least set, you know five to ten years. The defensive line you can always count on it being good at Northwestern. So shout out to defensive line coach Marty Long. He's obviously had a lot to do with it. Again, Mike Hankwitz been there forever. They're going to have a good defensive line. We've got Sandup Miller, Jake Saunders. Sandup Miller needs to step up a little bit. The name to look out for is Iku Leota. So not only by the name Iku Leota, but because many Northwestern fans think that this is going to be the guy that's going to take a big step up this year. Then you go to the secondary. They got experience for days, junior, junior, senior, senior, returning starters, I think it's pretty much um, um, uh, uh, typical thought that Greg Newsom is the most talented uh, defensive back of the four. Safeties need to step up a little bit. They lacked last year. Corners have yeah. were good to really good. Nobody again, you know. I hate to do the same tropes, but nothing's jumping off the page at you. 
for well, the secondary, but they're not going to be out of position. Right. They're going to tackle well. Like, so, this is going to be a good secondary. Okay. And that brings me to the one problem I do have with the Northwestern defense. We know they're good at limiting yardage. We know they're good at limiting points. Can they get to the quarterback? Can they cause big plays? Can they cause turnovers? They only had 14 turnovers last year, seven interceptions, seven fumbles. They only had three interceptions from this defensive back group last year. That's why you just cannot, you can't call this secondary great. Good. Great would probably be the better word. Yeah. You got, you got to come up with more turnovers if you're going to call that or call it, you know, a secondary unit that good. If they could, so you're talking about two uh, Northwestern, if they could mix in some lovey ball with this, yeah, that would be an awesome defense. It would be. Yeah. There's, there's a there's a blend of a Northwestern Illinois defense yeah. that would just be incredible. Maybe you know, but that's so. I heard Mike Hankwitz, by the way, is kind of has one foot out the door. Yeah, maybe Fitzy can give Lovey a call. Just coming up with interesting conspiracy theories on the Eyes on Big podcast. All right, I'm not going to skip over the special teams. You got anything here? Uh, return one specialist Charlie Kubander, solid ten of fourteen, but only six of ten. He, all four of his misses were from thirty to thirty nine, and they got a new punter, Kent State graduate. Derek Adams. I think the punter is going to be a important person. <laughs> Field position is going to be huge. I mean, maybe Lovey can bring Blake Hayes with them. We got, we got a blend here. If we really try <laughs> to look hard for it. All right. Over under for the year, four wins. Does yeah. that seem a, a bit high to I you? I mean, it seems a bit high. I mean, here, it, Here's another huge thing about the Northwestern Wildcats. You just can't count out Fitzy and the Fitz magic, right? So I hear the four. I'm like, ah, I don't know if I see four, but but yeah, if he pulls that magic wand out of his arse again, yeah, you know he lost it last there. year. Because if we doubt that it exists, that's when it becomes most powerful. Here's a way to make the Fitzy wand come out and whack you upside the head. Their crossover games, Maryland and Michigan State. Uh, yeah, I was noticing that they got. Uh, Hell of a draw. Yeah. Quite the draw. Okay. So, biggest game of the year. Who you got? Okay. Biggest game of the year. I'm going with Illinois. Okay. Which I Last normally. Game of the year. Because I think for both teams, that could be the difference between a, a good season and a bad season. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's both a where they stand for the total record, and then kind of last taste in your mouth. Now, last taste in your mouth. Now, they'll both get a chance to play sure. another game after that, but I hear what you're saying. Okay. So, you know, we typically break this down into two four-game pods, you know, for the schedule. So, their first four games, Maryland, Iowa, Nebraska, Purdue. Okay. I believe they will beat Maryland. This is my thought process. Okay. I think the defense alone <laughs> – we haven't got to Maryland yet, or have we? No. No. <laughs> I think I'm probably showing my cards on Maryland, but okay. So I, I believe they start the year out 1-0, okay? Probably. If you beat Iowa, that second game of the year, anything's possible, essentially, sure. at that point, because you got Nebraska and Purdue after that. I'm going to say Iowa is the biggest game of the year for, for okay. Northwestern. I, you know, I, I kind of like that, though. Because, yeah, you start out with two wins. Suddenly, you got momentum. Going into the Nebraska game. And you're like, you know, I don't care that the offense doesn't look so good. Right. We, we could we could like, win defense. Like, as a Nebraska fan, you definitely never cheer for the Iowa Hawkeyes, right? But it's 
potential that Nebraska is going to be looking for a win that third game of the sure. year because yeah. they start out with uh, Ohio State and Wisconsin. Yep. Okay. Maybe as a Nebraska fan, you actually kind of hope Iowa wins that game because you don't want a hot and no. ready to go Northwestern team coming in to play Nebraska. Well, Nebraska coming in to play them. Correct. Yeah. So that is a crazy thing to me. Okay. Scariest game of the year to me. I got Michigan State. So Michigan State, you know, typically for the scariest game of the year, you're going to pick the team that you think you can win. Michigan State sandwiched in between Wisconsin and Minnesota. Now there's a chance, mm. potentially. Let's say, you know, they beat Maryland, but don't do so well versus Iowa. Split Nebraska, Purdue, lose to Wisconsin. You lose that Michigan State game. You are now looking at a awful year. And it's a redo of the 2019 disaster. That to me is the uh, scariest game. Okay, I can year. see that. So we we talked about you know that that they were inept on offense. We talked about how you got a new system with Bajakian coming in. You don't have a whole lot of time to prep. I look at that Maryland game. So you go Maryland. I'm going Maryland because okay. I, I now Mar- I get it. I get it. You lose the Maryland game. Oh boy, every game on the schedule is losable. Yes. I think you might have convinced me because I'm going a little bit late going under the assumption that Fitzy magic has worked, but Fitzy magic could get kneecapped week right. one. So, I mean, you know, as yeah. Northwestern's a proud program, typically you'd be looking at Maryland and they're probably even saying just out of habit. Oh, well, Maryland, that's a win. Then oops. Is that, get, a, is that a win? Oh, I don't you, know. You limit you, the you, Maryland you, offense, but your offense didn't score right. enough and you get beat. 20 to 17. And you look like crap because it's a new system. Nobody knows what the hell they're doing. They're running around like Keystone cops. Yeah. Wow. I think you convinced me. Okay. That is the scariest game of the year. First one of the year. All right. That's the Northwestern Wildcats right there. And the Michigan Wolverines. Michigan Wolverines. What's with the Bemidji State sweatshirt? Well, I was up in Bemidji. uh, It's a nice sweatshirt. It's nice. It's like one of those... It's kind of thin, so it's not yeah. super warm. Yeah. But you need one of those every now and yeah, then. Yeah, right? you need covering, but not so yeah. much. You know, I don't like to sweat so much. So. It's a little obnoxious. It's a little shiny in the right light. But, but there's no there's no connection to Bemidji State other than that you were just physically there and you bought a sweatshirt. Well, it's a customer of mine. I was there. Okay. I was cold, so I bought a sweatshirt. Nice. Yep. It looks good on you. Yep. I, I and then I walked by Babe and... And you know the the lumber it was the lumberjack oh, yeah. uh, oh, yeah. what's Babe, the, Babe the blue Ox. yeah Babe or... the blue ox but who's the guy uh, Paul Bunyan <laughs> Paul and Babe Paul and Babe what a thing to have uh, like nationally known yeah for wait, the for those wait. listeners that that's what's what makes Bemidji famous these two big statues of Paul Bunyan and Babe but the blue ox what like we we're we're children of the eighties nineties like I I felt like Paul Bunyan had more of a role in our childhood than than kids do now oh what yeah happened, what happened i'm not Paul? sure kids would even know who that is what how was he a thing i'm not sure how, i mean it was just like these fables from the pioneer days yes yeah we don't tell fables but anymore. like the the thing about paul bunyan is like a hundred cities in the north claim that paul Bun. this is the home of paul bunyan because <laughs> you know? he's really? like well yeah i mean he's not a real guy so no everyone just pretends no, i don't like, think there was actually a 14 no. foot tall guy there's a Paul Bunyan on the way down from on 169 on your way down to Mankato. He's up in the he's up in the woods. No, that's the Jolly Green Giant. <laughs> <laughs> and there's Are they a, related? <laughs> they they be. might be. Yeah. And there's another Jolly oh, Green oh, Giant oh. 
down by like Albert Lee, but for real, but, but west of Albert Lee. There's another or, one. Yeah, somewhere in that area. But there's a, a rest stop you can pull over. There's a oh, huge oh, oh. Green, green giant. giant. Yeah. What? That's 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 the beans, right? It was the beans. Yeah. But I can't remember the name. Well, the green. Okay, Green Giant was the label, right? Okay. I don't yeah, know that, who makes it. I who think makes Green Giant. But I thought it was. Is it that green was gi- the brand? Wasn't is it, it Green Giant? Is the brand? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't think that's a that, thing anymore either, is it? Don't, are they still there? Are they how how old are our listeners on average? Do you think <laughs> younger than what we? I hope to God they stopped listening right after we finished what, up what Northwest. Demo? Do you think is our strongest? Let's stop now when we're barely ahead. All right, I am Jeffrey the Green, and I am Big Kurt. Thanks for listening to Eyes on Big Podcast. We will talk to you soon. <laughs>